Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Blunt Boys. Welcome. We are here, papas, mamas. How are you boys doing tonight? Pretty good. Feeling pretty salty, feeling pretty pretty lit. Um, Yeah, man, good day. Good day today. I have been watching a lot of ESPN. Yeah. And uh, The Longest Summer, the doc, the documentary, just came out, which is about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. The Longest Summer, what's that mean? So, you guys remember in 1998, they had the home run chase? The home run 61, uh, going after Roger Maris's home run record. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was like who's gonna get it? Who's gonna get it? Yeah. Who's gonna get? E- everyone watching every game. It's pretty crazy when you ask people, and when it comes down to like records, like who had the most reception yards, ever? You know, who had the most touchdowns, like ever? Who has the most? No one really knows the answer, right? Mm-hmm. But when you ask people who has the most home run record like who had who holds the, the home run record Barry Bonds it's very with an asterisk very everybody knows everyone kind of has an idea who it is right yeah. and back then in 1998 everyone knew it was fucking Roger Maris mm-hmm. right Roger Maris hit 61 home runs in the year 1961 when he was with the fucking Yankees and he had a deal so his record lasted until oh, 98 it's fucking crazy yes and that's a long the, the time the cool part about it is Roger Maris's kids were like little ones, youngins when they were with with him, or you know when, when he, was, he was doing when all he was that. breaking the record, yeah. and they remember briefly a little bit about it. And then the cool part is in 1998, they were there to watch Mark McGuire hit fucking 61 home runs or 62, the 62nd home run, and watch and watch them record. break the record. How do you think they felt when they found out how he did it? Oh, dude, it's fucking because he I, was juicing, right? Oh my god, hard. Not juicing, dude. He was on all the drugs, all the roids, all the it roids. Fucking boron. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, so explain that to me because my understanding of steroids when athletes take them is they only take one, or maybe they don't. It's I don't cycle. know. It so, depends on what you're on. So, what do you mean by he was taking? All of them. Well, I mean, I just as much like I don't think he was taking all of the drugs. Obviously like, not. I but think like, that he was on enough stuff at the time. Let me. Can I say something? Yeah. So it's probably more stuff than we don't know about. Cause like, we'll let's get into Olympics. So like, because we're talking MLB doping, which is simple in comparison to Olympic doping. Oh yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. now we're talking about countries that are doing it. Mm-hmm. So there's some why, countries right now that aren't even allowed to compete right? anymore. Exactly. Due to Russia's one of and them. And the doctors. <laughs> and else. those are the best doctors, dude. Yeah. The best doctors. But why I bring it up is because it was a, a thing where you know. Uh, there's that, ways around. No, dude, their whole ways. hockey no, no, no. team was. No, no, there's an event. Oh babies. Fuck it was. Their whole their all their fucking athletes. All their athletes. Sorry. All their athletes. Sorry. Go Kev. Go Kev. So, like, there's an event where it's, like, cross-country skiing mixed with shooting. Have you seen that event? Yeah. So, they're, like, on the skis, but they got the rifle on their back. Yeah. And so, they'll cross-country ski for a couple miles, and then they got to stop at a station and totally get off their skis and get down in a shooting position, and they're completely modified rifles. Yeah. Right? Okay, but there's a drug that they found out that they were taking that would steady your hand. What? Yeah. How? How, though? Like... It just calms. It just your helps. It, it just it's calms. Like a sedative. Okay. So it would it would help them steady their shot so that they could run up and have a advantage 
of not shaking because you're running and Take you're at a high breath, altitude. Just yeah. lay down and so it's, it's not a steroid, but it's a performance enhancing, enhancing drug. drug. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what can you take in baseball? You know, maybe that would slow the image of the ball down. You know what I mean? Or that, I don't, I don't know. Do they have, do they have laws against stuff like that? Or is it just steroids? Well, don't get me wrong. Like you could take like Vivance or Adderall. And like that, that's more of like, I think in my opinion, it's more of a useful drug than steroids in baseball because it kind of makes your, your mind focused. The ball comes out differently out of the pitcher's hand. Mm-hmm. Looks like a fucking beach ball to some pitchers or to some ba- like some hitters. Uh, I mean, you're able to your your vision's a little more focused that day. Do you think that those there should be a line between certain performance enhancing drugs? So like some should Clearly, be used yeah. and some shouldn't, or no, none no, of them no, should no, no, be no. used. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh, I man. think if. I've, I'm I'm an all natural kind of guy. I like chicks with fucking huge tits that are all natural, <laughs> like great 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 tush, natural, corn fat. I love it, dude. But when you're adding in all the other extra stuff, Papa's out, man. Like I get it, and but I'm more of like you got to work hard for every. You got to work hard for your shit, you know. And mm-hmm. it's like I look at Roger Maris when he hit 61 home runs. What he had to deal with playing for. The New York Yankees, which was the same team that Babe Ruth fucking played for when he when he hit 60, 60 home runs. Uh, the fucking media attention back in those days, what it was like. He was also going up against his own teammate, Mickey Mantle, who was the most likable guy in the world. Everybody liked Mick because he was a drinker. He was like he loved to drink, loved to party, loved to rage. Roger Maris was a boring clam. He did his thing. <laughs> he worked hard, went home, did it again the next day. Not nah, yeah. Boring. America wants fucking people to rage, baby. You know, and that was Mickey Mantle. And people were rooting for Mickey to fucking beat the record. Turned into a battle. It turned into a huge battle. And then not only turned into a battle where, like, these teammates are who were, like, brothers, but, like, dude, these guys hated each other. And these guys didn't... They had different things to keep them going throughout the game. Don't Don't get me wrong. You're playing a lot of fucking games every night. I mean... There was different shit these guys were, I'm sure, were on, but they weren't fucking on roids. They right. were not taking... <laughs> skillful. A, they weren't. didn't have the kind of exercise or even just manpower that we have today where you look at some of these athletes and you're like, Jesus. So skill-based. That is amazing. You are man-made, but it's. I know there's something else added to you. I think you're getting into like a thing where it's like all or nothing, right? All or nothing. Right. So, and, and wait, wait, I have a quick question. I'm sorry to interrupt, but mm-hmm. so when Mark McGuire beat his record... Yes, how much did he beat it by? Like when he was done with baseball and that was his record, how many did he have? I'm not too sure. I know Barry Bonds beat it throughout. Like, I know Barry Bonds holds it now. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I saw him hit 70. Uh, Jesus fuck. Yeah, I yeah. saw him hit 70 in San Fran, and that was epic. That was more of like we were in San Francisco, showed up, and we we're out there doing stuff for like my mom's school or something. And. My dad was like, do you want to go try to catch the game? And I was like, the odds of us catching the game are like slim to shit, but let's try. Found a scalper, dude. Oh, Hell. And my dad was like, how many tickets just for two? And my dad was like, if anything, Artie, you're just going to go by yourself and you're going to watch the game. And I was like, I'm down. I love it. And like, I, for me, I, I always dreamed of being a, you know, I want to, I, even now I'm like, oh, I watch the Korean baseball league. I'm like, I could be a professional baseball player, but that was my dream. So as a kid, I was like, I'm going to go watch Barry Bonds maybe attempt and hit break like hit you know 
70 fucking home runs right now. Yeah. Hit his 70th home run. And I'll never forget, my dad, we all went. We all got cheap tickets for all of us to go. And my dad was like, hey, listen, at some point during the game, you're going to run down like a little bit past everybody else, but get down there earlier and they're going to let you go. Like, you'll be fine. You can just sit there and watch him hit. And like, I'll never forget it, dude. My Yeah. Like, I remember like the fourth inning, I was like down there hanging out by myself. And my dad was like, at the end of the game, I'm going to meet you here. Don't don't do anything else. And yeah, I saw Barry hit it, and as soon as he hit it, like I was just out of the excitement and like I'll never you forget the there? uniforms. That's cool. Dude, I was there, baby. I will never forget it. I, never I knew that. we had That's the fucking so cool. Yeah, it was a, such a big deal for me. And like I we kept the newspaper and we still have we have a bunch of newspapers of it. Like my dad was a, kind of a weirdo about it. Like and we have uh, the no, rally he, towels. He the rally knew. towels about he just it. Knew. Well, I you have to remember like it was I followed their whole se- I mean my mom would get pissed when I would be like, "Hey, turn off everything. We got to watch Sports Center and see if where Barry's at. Like see mm-hmm. where the home run record is at." And that was and even in 1998 when like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were doing this whole fucking event. Dude, I was like like a like I don't know how to describe it. Like the the feeling of watching these two greats go after a record that was just unbeatable and all of a sudden it could be achievable and you're like wow and these guys weren't just average men they were monsters they were huge and they had this like some, something about them made you want to watch them and spectacular and magical and that's it, like it takes those certain things to be great but it also takes that kind of pressure to like be able to handle it and still be kind of normal throughout the day and be like I could still do my job and that was cool to me like that's also I respected out of Roger Maris like you know, to, to do yeah. the un Here's humble, humble, but just do Superman shit and still be Clark Kent at the end of the day. You know, you're like, yeah. Fuck. I remember having a talk when I was a kid with my dad, watching Mark McGuire hit. Yeah. And be like, what? What position does he play? And my dad goes, he's a first baseman. And I'm like, what? He's not like just a DH or he doesn't just. Not like a Frank Thomas, yeah. you know? No, he he, no. Play, he plays, Kevin. Plays, he's a good, yeah. He's a good. Here, take a look at him when he was a rookie. Skinny pictures of Mark McGuire. Right? Doesn't look anything like him. But he was still you know? like hitting jacks. Like he yeah. he was also like he was still considered a home run hitter next to Jose Canseco, who was, of course, the biggest roid head in the world, but yeah. also a home run hitter as well. You know, and mm. it's just crazy to watch those guys and to see uh, like Sammy Sosa's swing. He had this thing called a toe tap, where he would tap out in front and time it, and then pull it back and be fully charged on his back, like his his like back right foot and just have so much power just in time to hit the ball it's like a kinetic energy where you're just loading up on potential energy and you're just wham and and to be able to create that kind of like ferocity and but just force of the ball it's something i don't know uh like poetic about it and then you watch mcguire's and mcguire's more of a just a slow compact swing with so much driving force behind it it's it's pretty crazy to watch those like athletes but so we're talking about two men that had professional skill to begin with, mm-hmm. and then you add the drama. Yeah. Then you add the roids. Then you add the corked bat. And then you add, you know. and that What's was a what. a corked bat? Yeah. So at one point, Sosa got hit with a 98 mile an hour fastball to the ear. It it took him down. This ball not only fucked up with like his mentality at the plate, but he wasn't really the same after when he came back. Like when he came back from like Ow. hitting. Or from after that accident, he took a couple days off, but like you could tell that he was not really Sammy. Like he was yeah. getting fooled on pitches that were fucking crazy. And that was another thing about like Mark McGuire. It Mark McGuire was a dead traumatized pull. him. It traumatized him. But like Mark McGuire was a dead pull hitter. Sammy Sosa was an all around like like 
he can he is a range hitter. He can hit balls to the right, left, dead like, you know, he could pull a ball. He I mean, he, he was hitting balls oppo taco fucking, you know, 400 feet fucking no problem. And to see him getting fooled on pitches, he just lost on like his total confidence, but yeah, it was really traumatic for him. And uh I think a lot of times people like to get out of a slump, you got to do weird training exercises. And he would use a corked bat to like help him out with his hands and it would help him out with his bat speed and it would help him out with like just his rhythm and hitting and one day while he was hitting like in a, in a game he grabbed the wrong bat and he hit a ball up the middle and broke the bat in pieces and as soon as the bat broke the umpire grabbed the bat and as he was about to throw it off until he realized in the middle of the bat there was a quarter sized or half dollar sized cork in the middle of the bat and he fucking called time and let him uh, let him out. Called him out. So I'm sorry. Oh no, god, no, fucking. Like... He didn't call. Yeah. So he uh, called him out and then he like called Sammy. Out, called the uh, not Sammy. I called the manager out. Called both managers. I mean, he called. He had a an umpires meeting, and they both real. They all realized uh, that Sammy was using a corked bat. But so explain to me why so, that's bad. So, so you know, like, uh, so when you get a, a a normal baseball bat is is just wood, right? Yeah. Sammy had a bat that had hollowed out. Hollowed out. What does that do? So it, it makes the bat extremely light. Well, so it's easier for him, more controllable. Well, think for about him when he about, swings. Think about the substance of cork, right? Yeah. So like a, a wine cork. Yeah. So when if you were to throw that at the ground hard, what would happen? It's going to bounce. It's going to bounce. Yeah. Right? So now if you put, if you hollow out a bat in the middle, you drive a straight line through it, uh-huh. and you shove a tiny cylinder, long cylinder the size of the bat, into that, of cork, into the bat, the, I don't know what you call elasticity or the bounce of the bat. It's going to bounce. Hit a ball, it's going to double. Gonna, yeah. It's going to go so much farther. It's like hitting a, a tennis ball. Instead of a baseball with right. with a regular bat, and I believe his explanation after was, "Oh, I used that bat during batting practice." No, it, to it, like pop the ball. It's just know? more for his. It's it's more of a quick hands drill. I've yeah. heard of it before. Don't get me wrong. I've heard of many players using lighter like bats to try to quicken your hands to to make the but and it but when you put it down into. Wouldn't numbers you, if you're, you're using a if you're practicing and you want to be faster no, no. wouldn't you use a heavier bat or a lighter no, bat no 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 you but that's what I'm that's that's that's, that's the, the arg, that's yeah. the argument is cuz everyone knows why would you do that yeah mm-hmm. why would you and that is where the controversy comes in is oh i get that but why sammy did you do that and, and why is there even a bat on the field and why is there even a bat in the bat rack with your number on it and you, we all, anybody who's played like the game of baseball, for practice, how did it's it like get you there? put your, you put your, 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 your bats, oh, the, your game readies, your, your day ones are in a certain rack. And that way your bat boy knows, Hey man, these are my game days. These are good to go. These are hot. Uh-huh. Don't pull out a fucking bat. That's not in this fucking rack. These are my game days. These are good to go. These are hot and ready. So don't go into my locker. And then how many other times where, when players bust a bat, they got to use a, teammates bat they got to use it and that was yeah. that was what's crazy was sammy would also use different players bats so there's times where that was also part of the like oh well he just grabs someone else's bat that may not even been sammy's bat 
Side note, do you remember Cesar Sturz' bag? I remember Cesar's, yes. Oh my God. It was a lump. It was a piece of lumber, dude. It was the most, it was the size of him. He's like this short Yeah, lefty. Oh, he was a switch hitter. Uh, you're thinking, you're, and you're, so he got that idea from Raphael for call. Really? And Raphael for call yeah. was for the shortstop for the, uh, for the Atlanta Braves. And he used a bat, like a bat. I swear to God. It was a 36 36. Oh my God. So your normal bat is like a 33 inch bat. Normal. I used a 34 in college, you know? Some guys like a 35 to get a little more extra length. To swing a 35, you got to be at least six foot. There's a lot of lumber. Raphael for call is fucking five fucking seven. Okay? <laughs> he's a midget. Doesn't he, he runs like the wind, but he's a midget. But his oh, forearms yeah. alone were so strong, he was able to swing a 36-36. You're right. Rafi. Did that? Rafi, yeah. yeah. And that's Cesar, the guy I'm thinking of. And, and Cesar, Cesar would, had the arm. Cesar yeah. had the fucking pi- yeah. the little pistol, dude. But Rafael for call, he would hit balls from not only the right side. Slap him, bro. The yeah. left side. And he had this sloppy play about him. It reminded a lot of Luis Castillo, where he would just be like... You would throw a ball. You would put all your nuts into throwing a ball over the plate and hope to God he would miss and swing. But he would just throw his body out there and just somehow foul it off. And you're like, "Fuck!" Now I gotta throw another fucking ball. <laughs> and then you would, and head. then he would throw a ball, and then you would throw a ball, and then he'd be like, "Oh, now I'm on. Now I'm, I'm walking to first base, and I'm gonna steal second. And then, but he was that kind of player. He'd disrupt the whole fucking your whole plan. But uh, watching a lot of these players, like like. You know the sixty-one and Maguire beating it. It tripped me out to listen to like how much blood doping and like steroids and how much that went into play as far as not just baseball but all sports. Not yeah. just like all like I'm talking like the Olympics, like all sports, do like you think cycling, like, Lance Armstrong, like all everything. A do lot you of think things. that opened the door for everything. Dude, I was watching the 1996 fucking Home Run Derby and looking at Mark McGuire when he was still with the fucking A's in 1996. He looked just like Mark McGuire in 1998. So I'm like, you mean to tell me he was taking steroids in 1995, 1993, like maybe 1994, maybe, you know? So EPOs probably were being introduced to cycling at a weird, I think around the 90s uh, when Lamont, when Lamont was uh, just won the Tour de France, and he also got into a um, hunting accident, he got shot with a shotgun. Oh Jesus! With six pellets into his chest, so he was not able to compete that year. So he took uh, yeah. So he took the year off to, but that year was what he was saying when he came back Dude. was to watch all these athletes have a different endurance in them, and that was like around the like nineteen ninety like nineties. It was it was the start. So to me, I was like, man, that's... He noticed the difference. He noticed the difference in athletes. And he was like, not just the speed. He was like, dude, the size, the endurance. And he was he was a thin guy. He was the first, like, real American to win the fucking Tour de France. Mm-hmm. So, and he loved being, uh, uh, like, an outcast. So he would go and check out Europeans and how they cycled. But he would, like, he fell in love with the sport. He, and growing up in Europe... You wake up every, like, there'll be times where you wake up and you'll look in your front yard and you'll see the Tour de France happening in your front yard because that's what happens. And yeah. the the idea of maybe growing up one day to hop on a bike and join that is a, is a dream, is, the, is what people really want to aspire. Everyone has a bike out there. 
So to to like for Greg Lamont, like uh, Lamont, he was like, I uh, started shaving my legs because I heard about it in a magazine, and I heard Europeans did it. Makes you go faster. And he's like, my dad would look at me like I was a weirdo because it was just <laughs> like, was my son doing at age? And he was at, and I was started speaking French, France, but he was France. so like depressed or like saddened to hear that uh, the sport was like ch- completely changed. After a fucking all accident. your natural hard work, all of your yeah. shit that you and he's like, you don't understand that uh, what goes into cycling over two hundred. It's it's over twenty four to twenty two hundred miles, like twenty twenty four like hundred thousand miles basically. It's twenty twenty four hundred four hundred. It's two thousand four hundred miles. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Which is what like almost yes. half the United States. It's the whole length of France. It's crazy. And then to understand that everything that you had worked for is undermined completely. It is undermined due to blood doping, PPOs. Yeah. Yes. And what it does is that it's, uh, there's people that know how to like the way around it. There's other ways, there's ways to cheat it, but to do it clean and to do it the right way, it's monumental. It's almost like it's that not, that is, un, that's, that's unmanned. Like no one's ever been, and that in itself. That became the sport. Yes. That's wow. what I loved about it. Yeah, so that brings the argument that we were talking you were talking about earlier. All or nothing. So we live in a like for baseball, oh, oh. like for baseball, if you're a true uh, I'll speak for myself. I grew up, you know, from the time that I could walk, you know, and run, I had a glove in my hand. They had a, I had a, you know, a wiffle ball bat with a wiffle ball with dad throwing me in the backyard, you know, playing tennis Tennis, baseball in the front yard with the guys, with my brother and his old friends, you know, hitting bombs, getting the throw. Hit, you hit a home run, every single glove was getting thrown at you because somebody had to go get that home run. You know what I mean? It's like just memories. So I love the game. Like because what Artie said, his dream was to be a professional ball player. Mm-hmm. And your dream is to be good enough with your own skill set to walk amongst the best. Right. So as a true baseball fan, I'm mean, not true as a baseball fan, because I played. That's where my I don't want any of it. I want no doping. I want no. And so now we go back to what year was it? Ninety five to ninety six, where the long ball pretty much saved MLB. Yeah. Where you gotta the, remember in 1994, 1995, baseball had a strike and uh, attendance was extremely low. And yeah. they uh, at one point didn't know if the sport was actually going to continue as like an actual organization because mm-hmm. so, it was losing that much money and it was a waste. Nobody was really showing up to the games. Cue, now cue steroids, now cue long ball, now cue two guys fighting for king king status. Well, let me ask this. When you watch, when you watch mm-hmm. sports, you know, you, you look for certain things. But like, you know, when you watch basketball, what mm-hmm. do you look for? You look for the long ball, you look for them shooting threes, you look for them dunking. When you yeah. watch uh, football, do you wa- look for them, uh, you know, making short catches, or you watch them scoring the touchdowns, or making or, the sacks, or cracking the, or shit, cracking out the of shit out of each yeah. other, or maybe hurting somebody? Right. In baseball, are you watching them make a great double play, a great grab, or you watch them hit the fucking long ball and how far they hit that baseball? Well, what, it's that's the question. And that's what, the question. What do you? What's the driving factor? So for for the leagues, they have to look at the business model. They're not fans. As players of the game, they look at the consumer and say, what is our biggest demographic and what do they value? Well, it seems like we make more money when they hit home runs. So let's do everything that we can, legally, quotation marks, 
to make sure that they hit the long ball. I don't. I don't. I just know that certain players like uh, uh, Daryl Strawberry and um, Doc uh, Goodwin were always tested because they were drug addicts and they always were tested for fucking like cocaine. Yeah. Recreational drugs. You know, like recreational drugs. And they would do exterior fucking drug, drug, drug screenings for them. And that was like a big thing. But in reality, it wasn't really for the whole league. It was just for them. And it made me think, well, we really didn't really start testing all of our athletes. (laughs) Like legitimately, I think to like 2002. And we didn't really care, and we didn't want to know about what we were like, what they were testing ignorance for, and positive was for. Bliss. And that was like, yeah, ignorance is bliss, and it's kind of like we're gonna keep this quiet, hush hush, because you know what? Right now, also America, not really America, but baseball, we fucking need this yeah. to work out right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because baseball right now, we're bringing one a white guy who's American from California. And we're bringing a black guy who's not really a black guy, but he's, you know, from Dominican Republic, from another country. We're bringing them together and unity. And, you know, it's just like a, a th- you know, like we're bringing we're bringing America together. And it's just this is the driving dollar right now. Mm-hmm. Sports writers were were actually saving video and like recording video just so that way they can go do whatever the fuck they're doing throughout the day. And like, know that, oh, at a certain time from like 7 p.m., you know, McGuire's gonna be on, and we're gonna we're gonna videotape this game, and I could talk about, it, and I can read it, and I can maybe watch history happen. It w- it changed everything. It, th- it Bill ha- Clinton stopped the the State of the Union to acknowledge Sammy Sosa, like, <laughs> huh? Yeah. And he called him a hero. Yeah. And shook his hand. All calculated. When you're talking about a billion dollar industry, they do what they have to. So maybe I'm, maybe I shouldn't say they provided them, but they allowed it. You know, yeah. There's both the C League. I think kind of knew about it. Uh, don't get me wrong. I I think a lot of trainers knew about it. I think and that means if a lot of trainers knew about it, it means it's in house, which means I guarantee you GMs knew about it. Yeah. Quite honestly, I think I knew a lot of fucking like uh, Larusa, like Tony Larusa, like, the, really? uh, the fucking the he wasn't only the manager for McGuire at, at St. Louis, he was also the manager for McGuire at, at in Oakland when they were when he was yeah. with uh, yeah. Conseco. So it's like so you're looking at it like dog. I know he probably knew. Yeah. Yeah. But did he say anything? No, because we're going to the championships yeah. and we're going yeah. to win, baby. He just it looked was, the other way. Yes. How much can we? How much can we afford? And not lose in equity. <laughs> well, it's like, and the league is looking, how much can we look the other way? Well, like, I'm sure they look at it and they realize like, hey, we haven't, we haven't had to deal with anything like this before. And they finally did. You know? And they finally did. And the year, and the, and you got to remember at this time, this is well past after Maguire's played his heyday, Palmero, Sammy Sosa, Maguire, there's a couple other athletes that are in the Major League Baseball that got pulled up to Congress and asked... Hey, did you guys or did you not take steroids? And all of them said, we have never taken steroids in our entire lives. We've never done that. We've never taken them. But they did. Now we get into the legality of it. Because they probably could have sat in a... It's like a fart, dude. It's like a fart that someone sat on. They probably could have sat in a congressional hearing and said, I didn't use steroids. I used performance-enhancing drugs. 
what you have labeled as a steroid, my lawyer has. St- I didn't take that. And that was one thing I think I, I was kind given of, that made me kind of sad codes, yeah. was watching Sammy Sosa's story. He's really smart about what he says. He had someone else speak for him in court and say that he did not take steroids. That was all provided, man. And yeah. if you look at Sammy mm-hmm. Sosa now, Sosa does not look like the same Sammy that we knew in 1998. Completely different. He does not look... and I'm, I, Not even 1998. You got to remember, he started off playing for Chicago White Sox. I think it was another team before that. I want to say the Brewers, but I don't... I, but he played for the White Sox, and he got traded to Chicago. And he was like, it was the best feeling to go from the north side to the... Or the south side to the north side. And it's it's, it's a change, but to see his him look at... Back then, he had a jerry curl. He... Kind of looked like Barry Bonds when he was playing for Pittsburgh. Yeah. He looked really like young, cut. And then to see him jump from Sammy Sosa to 2020. Like yeah. Yeah, man. It's very sad. It's, it almost, it make he's, I don't want to say he's embarrassed to be himself, but it's more of an identity crisis, is what yeah, I Yeah, that's call what it. it looks like. It looks like that 100%. Well, for everyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Sammy Sosa changing his base. I'm, I don't want to sound crass, but he, I mean, or inappropriate, but he changed, he bleached his skin. Um, I remember being in sports news that he had this chemical treatment that he was using, and all of a sudden his shade is a lot, 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 lot lighter. And it just became this, his eyes look strange, and his demeanor changed after that, and I haven't seen him in the media since, really. It's just a weird transition, yeah. But anyway, I think we're going to take a little short break. Why don't you guys, don't go anywhere, stay in your seats or your bed, wherever you're at. We'll be right back. All right, babies, and we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. All right. So, what were we talking about during the break, during our pee break? A movie that you watched called Hansel and yep. Gretel. Yep. Yep. Okay. Did, wait, did they cool. take... Oh, tell me, tell me. It's a hard segue. Okay. <laughs> so, Hansel and Gretel. Well, so, like, it's... Uh, or Gretel and Hensel? I'm not sure, but Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel, yeah. So they came out one. They came out with a movie last year or two years ago with uh, Jeremy Reiner, um, the guy that plays the uh, the Arrow guy from Marvel, and some other girl. Mm-hmm. And it was like futuristic. They had weaponry and shit, and they're like adults. Okay, where they were like like monster hunters or some right. shit, exactly. right? Kind of like yeah. Van Helsing ish. Okay. okay, this is not the movie I'm talking about. Okay. 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 This one came out, I think, this year or last year. And I'm I haven't read the Brothers Grimm original, but I want to say that this sticks closely with the original story. Not a fairy tale, not happy, not candy filled, you know, a candy made of a house made of candy mm-hmm. with the with the kind of semi weirdo inside. No. Mm-mm. We're talking full blown death, like, like, like famine. Okay, the way the movie starts out is this girl, you know, Gretel is with her little brother, Hensel, mm-hmm. and their dad has come on hard times. I think he's dead. They don't say whether he is, but he's just he's, gone. He's just not in the movie at all. He's no. And the way that they explain it is that 
there's been like a famine and there's no harvests to be taken. And so everybody like people are starving and yes. shit. So she's on her way to a lord's house to see if she can be a servant or like a maid or something. Yeah. And she walks in and the first thing this guy says to her is you'd be mindful to say little as possible. And then hmm. his next question is, are you still intact? Is your maidenhood intact? Is she a virgin? Okay. He doesn't want a housekeeper. He wants someone to bear a child. He wants to have sex with a small, young girl. So fun. She, so she goes home to Not her mom. Fun. This is just the first 10 minutes of the movie, bro. Okay. She goes to her mom and she says, Dude, dude we're going in fast and hard yeah, she in goes, this fucking Why didn't movie? you just smile at this man? Why didn't you just accept his offer? And she goes, Mother, he didn't want a housekeeper. And she goes off about how Ooh. she can't feed her her or her brother and how if they don't want to work, then they should just go pick up the shovel and go start digging their graves. What? Right? So she makes this little joke with her and she says, you need to leave, Gretel. There is no room for you here. Oh, and so she's, no. she's sitting there just eating her oh, dinner. This is such a weird one. All of a sudden, this axe comes down, <laughs> hits the table, and her mom says... Gretel, you need to leave now, or I will chop you up into little pieces. What? That is how she leaves her home, with her little brother. Okay. So, dude. Han, Hans, Hans. Hansel is like, we are, oh, we are leaving now. We are leaving <laughs> so now. Come. Hold He's on, like hold on. six. So she gets hacked Jesus, up. Wait, 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 how old wait, wait. is she? How old is, is she? Axe? She's probably like 13. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. No, her mom just puts the axe in the table saying, you need to get the fuck out of here. I'm going to kill you because I can't feed you. Wow. So, yeah. So she goes with Hensel, and I don't want to explain the whole entire movie, <laughs> no. but it gets fucked. Like, it gets so scary. So it was like, what's, what's so, like the short summary of it then? So basically, they don't have anywhere to go, right? Yeah. So they're like, maybe we can, we're going to go to this older house where I know a lady lived, and maybe she'll give us a bed. So they go, and it's like this abandoned building. Just, There's pff. fires burning in the night. We're they, just going to hope she's fucking nice. Right, yeah. It's, dude, they don't have anywhere to go. They, they're kids with nowhere to go. Their mother abandoned them. So they're trying to find shelter for the night. So they end up in this weird, firelit place that looks like a church. They go down to the basement. They're having this nice little moment. And there's some fucking... Oh, you don't notice. There's an upside-down cross on the side of the wall. Oh, okay. Mm. And they're just talking about how maybe this is nice. And for nice those new... listening, that's a good sign. No, it's not. <laughs> maybe this is a new start for us, you know, Hansel, and we'll be fine. Okay, a demon awakes in the in the, the basement, and they get almost killed by this vampire, but they're saved by this friar, this African American friar, and he's super nice, and he tells them, "You're gonna go live with the foresters. Here's a map. Here's food. He feeds them. He clothes them. He mm -hmm. washes them through the night. He takes care of them, and he says, "Follow this map and do not leave this map, or else you will meet wolves. And if you meet wolves, I cannot guarantee your safety." Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Well, they. He says, you will travel for two days and two nights. Do not stop. They well, stop. They, they stop. Yeah. Because they're so hungry. And they're fucking kids. And they're kids, right? So they come across they're, they're these- They're kids. But this is where the story gets crazy. They come across these mushrooms. And they're red. They're red. Like a red cap. Red cap with white polka yep. dots. Yep. Yep. And so she's sitting there. And, and Hensel goes, Gretel, just ask them if they're nice. So she sits there and she's like, she's having a conversation with the mushrooms. Dude, they're desperate. They end up eating them. Oh. And they trip so fucking hard. 
so hard. And the movie does such a great job of depicting kids tripping on mushrooms. On mushrooms. How at first it's elative and it's great and you're fed and they ate so much of them that they're full. And then they start tripping and then they start vomiting and then they start, then they're separated. Yeah. And she doesn't know where her brother is. Now all of a sudden, they're in front of a house. Hmm. They smell bacon. Oh. They smell cakes. Ooh. They smell sweet, sweet treats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, if you can imagine, if you know the story of Hensel and Gretel. That's a fucking witch. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God, bro. I'm not going to go in. You got to watch the movie, but after it is so incredibly creepy. Just how, like, because usually when we watch movies, people treat kids a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like with respect and you know with with uh, levity. You don't see them. You don't tend to see them in like dark situations, right? Where they're gonna get fucking eaten or used and tortured. <laughs> yeah. And bro, it's just crazy. That's it's such nuts. A good movie. I, I'm gonna have to watch it then. I know. Um, it gets under your skin for sure. Um, that's how all the brothers' grim fairy tales are, though. It's actually pretty. Dude, it's crazy. I know you can get the book at like Barnes and Noble or some shit like that. You know, they'll have like, you know, they got the classics or whatever on on, on that table, but it's um they're all super dark yeah. and not kid friendly. But then you find out like, dude, these were these were stories that were folklore. So they were they came about in a time where there wasn't a lot of law and shit like that. And people use those stories to keep their kids from going to certain areas. So, like, that one is you don't fucking go into the woods by yourself. And if you're on the path, you stay on the path. And you keep going until you're out of the woods. Because a lot of bad shit can happen in the woods, you know? You you get eaten by wolves. You could get eaten by a witch. You could, you know, barracudas. (laughs) Like, dude, it, it, but... um, Republicans. (laughs) Dick Cheney. Don't go, honey. But oh, the movie does such a good job with the cinematography. So is it? So is it just kids? They're kids the whole time, right? Yeah. What went like? Is it just Hansel and Gretel? That's what it's called. Yeah. What'd you watch it I on? I thought we were talking about Richie Rich. My bad. I think I love that movie, dude. Great uh, movie. We rented it off. I think um, uh, we uh, Direct TV on demand, something like that. It's like five bucks. Uh, da- um, but it's a good movie, man. Like. Um, like what I was saying, like the cinematography, there's Mushrooms. so many, there's so many triangles for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Like the way buildings are shaped and the way scenes are set up. Tri- well, shapes that was symbolism. the scene he was talking about was the mushrooms and how well it was oh, yeah. with the kids. And yeah. Oh, a lot of nature. Like, so the cine, like they'll be walking in the forest in the daytime. Right. Mm-hmm. But the scene is still dark. Because the forest is that thick. Yeah. And like, there'll be times when Hensel is trying to cut wood, you know, because he's trying to find a little purpose for himself. He's like a young boy. He's fucking bored. Yeah. Yeah. And he'll be out and it's bright and it's nice. And then all of a sudden, dark. It zooms in on his face and the camera gets wobbly. And because he, he sees something out of his, you know, his peripheral and he goes for it. Now all of a sudden he gets a little, not, I'm talking 50 feet from where he was. And now it's dark. Mm. You can see the sun shining through this, the tops of the trees, but it's dark. The sound is different. It really puts you in the mood of like what a kid would actually be feeling in a situation like this. Mm. 
and it puts you into that kid state. You know, it's like, well, kids now, they need to act like adults or they're going to die. And they don't even know it. Oh, my God. Like, And then, like, the dialogue they use, like, the terminology that they use. Like, the witch says something. Oh, she drops a glass of milk. And she goes, oh, another one bites the dust. And you're like, I know that saying. Wait, did that? Freddie Mercury. Did that saying originate way back then? Like, when you drop something, it bit the dust. Because it broke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just and just those things because it puts you in that in oh I know that in my timeline now. I say mm-hmm. that almost regularly. Like you recognize it. Yeah, and it and then it just puts you right back in it. And you're like, oh and you feel like you're a part of them. Like you could be them. Yeah. It's a fucking fucked up movie, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. Hensel and Gretel. Any you guys didn't know of any other Brothers Grimm stories? I think Rapunzel's one of them. Snow White. Uh, I'm blanking right now, but I know, I know, like the Snow White one, or Cinderella, uh, Sleeping Beauty. Um, because I don't even know, so I can. Charge of the Jungle, Finding mm-hmm. Nemo. Yeah. Well, Pocahontas. Toy like, Story. How like how creepy could Snow White? Oh, get? imagine a scary Toy Story. No. Ah! Wait, they made a movie. What was that movie when the... To- Chucky. The- they call it Chucky. That was one no, of them. No, no, no. Uh, Krampus. No, no, no. It was With o- the toys. It's older. It's older and the toys come alive. But Toy they're- soldiers, dude. No, they're cre- that was a good movie, too. Gremlins. Nah, I got to think of Great the name. Movie. But these toys were cursed. Like, they weren't normal toys. Fuck that. Like one, Child's playing, dude. That's one had like a, uh, I gotta think about it, but I'm sh- hopefully some anyone listening knows. There was, like, multiple dolls, and they Spice came, Girls. They came ah, alive in no. the house, and they Fuck. just, like, wreaked havoc on, like, this lady. Jesus. It was creepy. Do you guys remember Chucky, though? Yeah. Do I remember Chucky? I still got Chucky, man. I'm you a have the movies? I have the movies, and I have the doll. I have the doll. I have the oh, doll. you do? I do. I also have... Um, Did you ever go to the Universal Studios Horror Nights where they got him up on the balcony and he's talking shit to people in the crowd? That would be cool. No, Honestly, we never went. The coolest oh thing we did God, we did go it. to was the Halloween H2O, the 20-year reunion or release or whatever it was from the original. And my dad got a chance to meet the original Michael Myers. And Whoa. it was pretty cool. They like He signed this like pretty cool like artsy poster of... Michael Myers' is, uh, face. He's That's huge, dope. Right? Dude, it's so cool. It was, it's, it's pretty... He's a huge man. Yes. Yeah. Big man. He's got to have a huge dick on him. But yeah. <laughs> cool dude. The hands on him. This is what my dad said. He was like, when he shook his... And like, my dad's like a child, you know? Like, he enjoyed it, man. He was like, oh, I already you know, sound Super like excited. That to me made me hard. I'm like, I'm glad this, this kind of made my dad juiced about it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, a movie, you know, it just... Movies are great, man. But horror movies... They That's, put you somewhere. Yeah. I remember nice. being a kid watching Child's Play. Like, I can't. It's the reason watch this why you night. like you know you you have fear. Like it's I think it's it drives a lot of fear. Like there's a lot of fear oh. that I have in life, but not like there's a, that is it's not like failing, but no, it's more of like what if I am running or walking out of nowhere and then Freddy comes out of nowhere and cuts my dick off, you know? Or yeah. do you guys you remember? Know, that's my fear. I don't know if you went with us. I'm pretty sure you were there. When Hollywood we went, Horror Nights? No, when we went I to mean, go watch Fourth Kind when that came out in the yeah. movies. 
I don't think so. I wasn't there. We watched. The, I remember we I was watched. There. Uh, the I know Kev was there, and we, dude, that what that movie fucked us in the head, bro. I that, that was that was so messed up because the whole the whole premise behind it was like it was supposed to be with real footage. So like Hollywood made a dramatization, and then next to the Hollywood dramatization every now and then they'd put up like real life footage. Right. And at the time (laughs) we didn't fucking know that it was fake because they, they portrayed it as real the way they advertised it, the people that got interviewed and shit like that. So everybody went into the movie, you know, thinking, Oh, this is fucking real. You know, and dude, that I couldn't sleep for days after that fucking movie, man. That shit scared the absolute shit out of me. Remember when that, like, they surrounded the all the lights in the house? Yeah, yeah. Mm -mm. And then you followed up with your actual story of an actual UFO in your house. No, no, no. And that haunting image of an owl at your. They said that. Like, well, I remember his dog. Yeah. His, I remember his. I forget the dog's name. Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte. Yeah. She was. She was. She was downstairs while you're sleeping downstairs as well. And yeah. So Charlotte I was walks upstairs out to the balcony. No. Just barking notoriously at this I little was, figure. No. And then it, the figure gets up, does like this little like fuck you thing, and then fucking dude, he beat runs his meat, off, and, and then, then he ran. Fucking, yeah. No, I, I don't was, think it blew a load, but no, yeah, pretty much it probed you. It probed no, you. No, I was sleeping and that's downstairs, why you walk like a duck. and she was she was in my fucking room with me, and no, my dog, mm. and I went to sleep <laughs> and woke up to go to the bathroom. And my door was open, and I assumed it was my mom checking in on me because she's just that kind of a person. And so I got up. As I was going, getting up to go to the bathroom, I saw movement at the end of my bed, and it was my bed was super high off the ground. And, like, so I thought to myself, like, oh, fuck, it's my dog, you know? And we had a puppy at the time, Sandy. And so I figured it was her. And I was like, bye, fucking asshole scared the shit out of me you know some talking shit to my dog but she was the kind of puppy where you give her any kind of attention and she's gonna be up on the bed in your face love me talk to me let me give you kisses right but so we yeah exactly but i had i saw something at the foot of the bed still it freaked me out i didn't hear my other dog snoring and I thought somebody had like broke into the house and killed my mom and killed my dogs. And I was like ready to be like, I'm about to get killed right now, you know, and I'm going to be on the front page of the newspaper or some shit, you know, like family got fucking murdered. And then I saw long fingers come up on the end of the bed and grab my sheets and start to pull them off. And that's when I freaked the fuck out. And I remember like, I have a little tiny wooden bat at the end, like right next to my bed, just a little bat, dude, something, tiny little piece, something (laughs) to grab. And I remember I was like, just, just do it. Just grab it. Just grab it. And just scream. That's all you got to do, and you'll be good, and and you can snap out of it, and you'll wake up, and it's not going to be real, dude. And I grabbed it, and I screamed, and, like, the door flung open, and I could hear, like, somebody running up the steps, and, like, I turned into, like, holy fuck, I got to go up. And I ran up, and there was nothing upstairs, and the balcony was wide open, and, you know, my mom, I woke my mom up because I was freaking the fuck out, and... She went outside to the the downstairs balcony, and the dogs were out there. And she was like, why'd you put them out there? I didn't fucking do that, you know, whatever. But So I changed my underwear and changed the sheets on my bed and switched some things around in the house. Then went to sleep and woke up, and it was all changed. And I was like, yeah, I'm fucking, I don't know. 
it was real. That happened. Yeah, I remember that movie, dude. They all shared an experience that they all woke up and they saw an owl, Fucking owl. outside of their window. It was the eyes of the greys. And it's like, I had nightmares Yeah, for days after yeah. of seeing owls in my room. Dude, that movie yeah. was fucked up yeah. because, like, they, sh- like, you know, they showed that footage. You know, they showed the footage of the dude shooting his fucking wife and yeah. then shooting himself. And you're like, what yeah. the Who got this footage? fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, how is this dash with cam the, footage with the, good? With the ship above their house? Yeah, yeah, or the cop out. Yeah, the cop outside yeah. with the fucking alien. And then the recording of the chick where she's, like, they're doing the... Uh, the hypnosis on her yeah. and oh yeah and she like freaks out and starts like yeah. and she's like screaming or some shit and she starts floating off the fucking yeah. couch like that was no yeah, that not okay not a good place yeah, yeah so fucking fright i remember walking out and me you and james just our eyes being fucking huge like this that wow the car ride was so quiet on the way home but Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us. You guys are absolutely amazing. We love you. We love you so much. So much. Come back. Keep listening. We got... You're the reason we're here. Yeah, you are. We love you so much. And if you can't feel it, just know it. Just know it. And uh, if you're looking for someone to uh, (laughs) deliver weed to you, hit Duber805 up at www.doober805.com or... Call them at 805-421-9449. They got the shit you need. Everything. You guys have a good night.